Hey everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you hit that subscribe button and I hope you're digging what we're doing here. Lord knows I've been digging what I've been doing lately, including getting all these new five-star reviews for helping people do what I love the most. No, not talking about old wrestling, but that's second talking about helping families just like yours save tens of thousands of dollars at savewithconrad.com. Is what we're talking about. We would love to help you save some cash right now. If you're in a 30 year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, there's never been a better time to save money than right now. Just past my 19 year anniversary in the mortgage business. And I've never been able to offer rates as low as I can right now. I've also never been licensed in as many states. If you can hear my voice, there's a good chance I'm licensed in your state. And it's free to find out how much money you can save right now at savewithconrad.com. And how's this for starters? No house payments for two months. But don't take my word for it. Just ask Joseph in Alexandria, Virginia. He gave us a five-star review and said, fantastic service, great attention to detail, simple and easy process. How about over in Perryton, Texas? Darrell says, Conrad, David, and Jennifer were complete professionals, and I had recommended them already to a couple. I couldn't put them over more if I tried. Thank you again for helping us out in a major way. I won't forget it. What about up in Gallatin, Texas? William gave us a five-star and he says, Jimmy did a fine job keeping me informed, working through a couple of unique things involving our original loan. Would be sure to recommend this fine team to anyone. How about Christina moving down from New York City? Yep, she wrote, as first time home buyers coming from out of state, naturally this is a very stressful process, but save with Conrad was a blessing. The entire team is helpful, courteous, and just made the entire experience so much easier and more pleasant than it could have been I can't thank save with Conrad enough. Thank you for everything you've done for my family. The reviews keep on coming guys. Five-star reviews one after another. You're going to save a boatload of cash. If you're in a 30 year loan, we're going to show you how to pay your house off faster. And with cheaper monthly payments, maybe you've been throwing your money away on rent. You don't need a huge down payment or perfect credit to buy a house. We can help you make it happen right now. And maybe best of all, if you've got credit card debt, I can save you five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention interest rates in the twos? Can't believe that's real, but just last week we locked a bunch of new loans with interest rates in the twos. My only advice to you is hurry. Barry Habib is the foremost expert on interest rates. You've probably seen him on every cable news service. Just last week, he advised that we're on borrowed time with these rates. The time to act is now. Get ahead of this. You're going to be kicking yourself. You missed this once in a lifetime opportunity. Keep more of your own money. Go to savewithconrad.com right now before it's too late. There's no better time to say I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate stevensinger.com. And you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. 
Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? Well, I would suggest I'm great. I'm not nearly as tan as you are, and I can't believe I'm saying that. I had the cornered the market on the tan deal for a while, but it seems, Mr. Infinity Pool, you have overtaken me. You know, what's sort of shocking to me and me and Megan, were talking about this this weekend. I don't even know how I thought of it, but I said, isn't it hard to believe that Arn Anderson doesn't have a pool? And she said, yes, because I just have this perception of you, especially all the stories you've told us about hanging out in Pensacola, that if you're awake, you're probably laying by the pool tanning. What's the holdup? Why did you never, never get a pool at the house? Well, we have talked about it many times it has been discussed many times i just don't really have quite the backyard to accommodate it Mm. a lot of a lot of really big trees that separate our row of houses from the ones behind us that you can't cut down that's our privacy fence Ah. and uh we wouldn't just we wouldn't get enough benefit of the sun enough hours of the day and it just it's not quite big enough well, maybe it's time that, uh, you find another abode with a pool for this twilight of your life. I can help with that. You know, I got, I know a guy you do. I know a guy over at save with but let's talk about why we're really here. Hell in a cell 2010. I can't believe this is nearly 10 years old. Now it went down on October 3rd at American airlines arena in Dallas, Texas. This is the second hell in a cell themed pay-per-view. And it's following SummerSlam, of course, which we covered last month. The event draws 7,500 fans, which Meltzer would say is a terrible figure for the market. That does sound kind of low for a major pay-per-view in Dallas. Uh, Of course, at the actual show, there was no announcement made about crowd size, and that's usually a not-so-great sign. But there is some stiff competition in town. The Texas State Fair and the Texas-Oklahoma game was that same weekend. I know that sometimes promoters and me and Bruce have made fun of this for a long time. When something doesn't draw, there's always a silly excuse. And Bruce would joke, oh, well, that new gas station just opened up and it's 24 seven and they've got cold sandwiches in there. You can't compete with that. That's his silly illustration of all the silly excuses that a promoter could give. But I have to admit scheduling a show sort of head to head with the Texas state fair and their biggest in-state rivalry game, Texas and Oklahoma, that feels like a scheduling snafu from the office. What say you? Uh, I would say if they wanted to see it, it wouldn't matter. There you go. Wrestling fans come to see wrestling matches. They don't come to see football games. You know, they can always go to the fair before or after the show, you know, the next day it's uh it's, it comes down to, if you got what they want to see, they will come. Well, 
they didn't exactly show up here. The pay-per-view though did draw 210,000 buys. Now here's the bad news about that. That's down 73,000 from the prior year when they did 283,000. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, briefly, I do want to mention the commentary team for the night here is Michael Cole, Jerry, the King Lawler and Matt Stryker. what do you think of that combination of announcers Arn? Well, I, th- I think Stryker did a better job than a lot of people gave him credit for. He, Agreed. you know, he would lend a, a different, you know, tone to the broadcast, you know, a little bit goofy, but I think you want a little personality in your, in your announcers too. And that, you know, he was being himself. Yeah. I, I didn't hate him. And I do think I agree with you that he probably gets a bad rap. Let's talk about the rap that pay-per-view is getting within the company. There's been a lot of conversation and a lot written in this era about declining pay-per-view buy rates. It's important to recognize that the UFC is absolutely on fire here in 2010. And perhaps that's too much competition for WWE because according to their own financials, 2010 was the worst year for pay-per-view since the Austin era in the late nineties. And one of the discussions is, Hey, maybe we need more live pregame shows to push the late buys. But if you chart this thing, you can see it really falling, you know, from 2000 on down and by 20, 2009 and then 2010, it's starting to feel like, Hey, this is bottoming out. And we know a few years after this, we're going to just switch to the OTT platform and try the WWE network internally. Were you guys hearing about declining buy rates and is it a cause for concern or is it business as usual as an agent at the time? Well, I don't worry too much about that. Here would be my question because I don't have, you know, my facts and figures and book bookings and stuff right in front of me, but how many, uh, pay for views, pay per view. I got to, you know, start being very clear and distinct about that. My wife chewed my ass out about <laughs> it's not pay per view. Uh, how many were we doing a year in 2010? Do you recall off the top of your head? Well, I mean, you know, it's at least 10, but you got to think there are some brand splits. So yeah, there's more than that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know it got as much as 22 at one point right. in a year, you know, it's just ridiculous. I guess my question is to you would be, do you think when you do more and you're just looking at them on each individual buy versus having the big four or even stretching it, you know, out to six a year, you're going to have more buys on that pay-per-view that thus, you know, shoving that number up when you got 10 and you're, you're trying to build a, all your angles and get them hot and then blow them off to get them ready for the next, you know, a big event. It, it just seems like to me, we were just, we were just too much. 13. Spreading ourselves too thin, too thin. 13 the number I just checked. That's so, too many. Yeah. It's more than one a month. Two in, um, in the month of October. That's the month that doubled up. You had one per month and then two in October. Uh, this one we're talking about hell in a cell from Dallas, October 3rd. And then three weeks later, it would be bragging rights, which we're going to cover next by the way. Uh, but that went down on the 24th. So yeah, we've got 13 pay-per-views and I agree with you. And it's funny that we're talking about this now because Bruce and I just recently discussed too. Did you prefer the old school once a quarter format? Did it lend itself to more, uh, effective storytelling? 
Did it make it feel more special? Whatever. I kind of tend to think you're probably going to agree with that, right? That once a quarter is more ideal. Well, besides the fact that you can have three to four months to build all your angles, all your interests, you know, have your new matchups, anybody new that you want to introduce three months later, they're not new anymore. They mean something. And plus all of your normal television you're not having to just devote to the upcoming pay-per-view and just push, push, push. You can take a breath. You can blow off all your angles at whatever event you're having. Now you got three to four months to reset. Okay, let's take a breath here. Let's uh, maybe get some guys on the show that haven't been on the previous pay-per-view, and you get them some TV time, and you can kind of just – reset your product and start building, but a slow build to your next big event. That would be my preference. I think I agree. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. Over a mile to stop. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly, even if it sees you. It ends a disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Let's talk about somebody else that we're familiar with these days who's making the news. This is from SmackDown on the 24th of September. Big Show squashed Vance Archer and Hawkins. They also squashed Archer on commentary. I don't know if this is true, but... Here I am presuming something Stryker said might be true, but Stryker was talking about how Archer got in the car with a WWE executive, made the executive sit in the back seat, and then spent the whole time talking about how great he was and how he was better than Shawn Michaels. As this was happening, he was being squashed in the ring. So anyway, he must have pissed off someone somewhere. Of course, we know these days on AEW, he's running roughshod over everybody and everything as the murder hawk Lance Archer but here he's using V Vance Archer. Um, this is quite the story that you would have a commentator bury the guy like this over the air about something that feels like this is a real story being used against him. Did you hear this story? And, and what'd you think of the way they were handling uh, a pretty tall guy who you would think would check all of Vince's boxes? I don't know. feels a little weird to me. What say you? Well, my memory about Archer is, is a little clouded. I remember they, they, you know, first saw him and here we go. He's tall. Right. There's that famous quote. Ah, damn. There's a lot of tall guys in the world. What the hell does that mean? But right. anyway, the guy had some talent, but as far as, you know, this car ride that you're talking about, do you have any specifics or suspects in who actually the conversation went down with no it's just written here 
you know, the, the, and even Meltzer admits that he's speculating and, and presuming it to be true, but it does feel totally out of left field. We've never heard anyone on commentary say anything like this before. And it does make me wonder who was it? Because apparently it would have made the rounds. And again, we're making, we're jumping to conclusions here, but in theory, it would have made the rounds, the old whisper campaign, campaign, telephone, telegram, telewrestler, and then somebody on commentary feeds it to striker to say feels most likely. Would you disagree? You know, I don't, it just seems pretty, pretty stupid and trivial if it did happen. Right. You know? With a guy that's going to, you know, maybe be a new talent for you. It just, I don't think a conversation and a car ride would have killed it off unless the guy was really shoving it up Vince's rear end and somebody stooges it off. Mm. I would say that would be career suicide. But I think anybody else, if it, if it really was a conversation, it's not going to be enough to just uh, kill a guy's push and run him out the back door. Um, I don't know on that one. It's just fascinating because we've, we've all been sort of, uh, we've, we've grown accustomed to the fact that this is such a weird, I don't know, subculture, if you will. And there's their, their these own little sets of rules and do's and don'ts sort of unspoken. Nobody wants to quote unquote, get heat. And sometimes you see something like this and you think, well, crazier things have happened, but either way. It all worked out. He's a superstar now on Wednesdays and, uh, he's doing well. Let's talk about Linda making the news. She's actually going to attract some negative attention on September 30th. When she was speaking before the national federation of independent business, here's the quote that got her in a little trouble. The minimum wage now in our country, I think we've set that. So there are a lot of people who have benefited from it in our country, but I think we ought to review how much it ought to be and whether or not. We ought to have increases in the minimum wage. Uh, when asked by reporters, Linda said she didn't know what minimum wage was. Her handlers then shut down the press conference, realizing how bad that was for the optics. And this would wind up being a major blow in her campaign. And, uh, at this point she spent over $50 million on the campaign. We know she's ultimately going to lose, uh, to the Democrat who is still the U S Senator in that market now, I believe. And of course. She was, a, or he was a uh, staunch opponent of president Donald Trump. It all worked out for Linda. Eventually we know Linda's going to be a part of Trump's cabinet, but still this campaign and the spend had to be something that was at least talked about backstage 50 million bucks here to win a job that pays a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of that. What did, uh, what did you make of Linda trying to make a run here? You remember ladies change purses? Yes. You know, this is old Southern ladies that, you know, if you ask them for 37 cents, they pull out their change purse and open it up. Yep. By God, they had 37 cents. I would suggest Linda got the 50 million out of her change purse. (laughs) So you didn't No no big deal to her. So don't worry about what she spent. Uh, she was having a good time. And every one of us, you know, let me just say, Linda McMahon has has never been anything but nice to me. And that's the way I feel about people. They condition me to treat them the way I do. Yeah. You're good to me. I don't care if everybody else in the room hates your guts. 
I'm going to be nice to you because yeah. you were nice to me. Yeah. And we were all pulling for her. number one. We thought if that was her ambition, you know, that that's, uh, she could help the country in some way or the state or whatever it was that she was living in more power to her. That's about as far as my politics goes. You know, the politicians should be there for all of us to help all of us. And that's about as political as I get. I'm for the guy that's going to, you know, you know, make us all have a better life. And so we were pulling for, and we and we thought it would be good for the business. Obviously, you know, we're always trying to upgrade our image, you know, to the public. When I really don't think we should have to. I mean, we're we're in the wrestling business. It is what it is. It's entertainment. You either love it or you or you hate it. Not a lot of people that are real warm about it. They're hot or cold. So, you know, we, we knew it would, if she were to win, that it would be, you know, we would all hang our hat on that, you know, and say, good for you. One of ours, you know, if you can look at her as being one of ours, she was in the family, certainly, you know, did well for herself. Uh, besides the, the billions that she's made from the wrestling industry. So yeah, we're all pulling for her. It's sort of fun to talk about Linda because, well, we, as a, as a internet wrestling community, don't talk about her enough in my opinion, but the thing that really sticks out to me is you said, well, I treat people how they treat me. I've never heard one story of Linda treating someone poorly. I, I, I just don't think that I think she's one of the rare folks who's managed to navigate the wrestling space without pissing people off. It's pretty remarkable. Well, I just think she's a nice person, you know, and, you know, as far as inner workings of the business, you know, I, I don't think, you know, she could sit down and, and tell you how to book a, a live event and, and what, what names to put down across from each other and, you know, what match to take intermission afterwards and what do you begin with or what do you end with? Or, you know, she doesn't know the nuts and bolts of the business, but she comes in, she is who she is. And she makes a nice impression and she treats everybody like they're human beings. Right. You know, there's not this wide economic gap between you and her. You, you don't feel that when you're talking to her. Totally agree. I had a chance to meet her and you know, she never meets a stranger. She's just uh, a remarkable person. Let's talk about SmackDown on sci-fi sci-fi easy for me to say it's going to start there on October 1st, leaving my network TV. Uh, the first show does a 1.74, which means 2.52 million viewers. And that's close to double what the time slot did the week before. It's actually the fourth highest rated show on cable that evening. So it's a pretty big deal, but it, I think, you know, in hindsight, neither one of these are major networks, my network TV or sci-fi, but it has to feel like an upgrade, right? To go from my network TV to sci-fi or does it not? Does it feel like a downgrade? Well, you know, it, you got to look at the, the numbers and see, you know, those smaller networks. You, you looked at them, and I don't know which one had more viewers or what shows. In those days, we were working so hard and running just day to day to day trying to get a show done and on the air and move on and do another one and then go home for a day and a half and start back, you know, right back after it. I didn't know which was the the bigger um, available homes right. network, you know, which was, I hope that's the right yeah. terminology. Um, it was just, you know, we knew that there was a smile on the guy up front's face or not. 
we had a good week and that was about as far as I would delve into it. I had too much other stuff going on. Let's talk about some other things that are building before we get to the actual show on the, uh, September 27th taped episode of raw. This is the write-up from the observer. I don't think there was anything wrong with the show other than the edge segment, talking to the computer, digitized voice and attacking the computer was so ridiculous. It looked like early nineties WCW, but this was the go home show for hell in a cell. And it was actually stunningly how bad they promoted the concept of hell in a cell. When they mentioned the stipulations and Cena and Barrett and did interviews, nobody emphasized the steps and ramifications. And it's almost like if the announcers don't think it's a big deal, why should we, how big and critical do you think it is for the announcers to quote unquote, sell it to the audience and how much of that is on the boys? I mean, I, I think Jr. once said something along the lines of the guys in the ring, make the music. And I just add the lyrics, but it doesn't feel like the build for this pay-per-view and it's evidenced by the fact that the buys were down from 283 to 210. Why do you think, or, or, or what role do you think announcer should play in hype in the pay-per-view? Number one, if you're going to go to hell in the cell, my concept is a fan with a mat in a match with somebody, it means you have exhausted every other opportunity or everything available to you to resolve whatever angle you're in. There's nothing left, but hell in the cell. Now I may be wrong about that, but that was my concept. Okay. You guys have done everything humanly possible to each other. There's no other way to settle this than hell in the cell. And, you know, I say this all the time, but when Taker threw Mick Foley off the top of that, that cage and he went through that table, that set the standard for what people imagine hell in the cell could or should be. Right. And they hit the ceiling that night. There's nowhere else to go. Um, and when these angles, when you put them in hell in the cell and you want to reap the benefits of, of just those words, hell in a cell, it better be a violent, it better be a gory, it better be a something that you won't see till the next hell in the cell, which hopefully is going to be a, at least a year or more later um, to satisfy the audience. And when it's just two guys having a match, in a cage match, hell in the cell is not a driving or selling point. Let's talk a little bit about the anonymous GM. That's what he's talking about here. When he says edge with the computer digitized voice and attacking a computer, this is the era where there is an anonymous general manager, and it's going to talk in a voice that sounds like half the voice of short circuit and maybe half of kit from Knight Rider. It's a you little know who silly. It sound, you know what it sounds like? Not what? to interrupt you. Sound like George Jetson's maid. Yes, there you go. What do you think of this anonymous GM horseshit? Hated it. It just feels, I don't know. Like I hate to bag on a writer because I, I know how hard. I don't know how hard. I can only imagine how hard it is to write hours upon hours of live original programming every week. So it's gotta be just, 
a terrible job, uh, terribly difficult, very stressful, et cetera, et cetera. That said, goodness gracious, this was silly, right? I think it was just when they were, everybody was drawing a blank on what to do next. And we were just running through angles. And like I said, it all stems back to that, having that big show, that that pay-per-view every single month. You have to understand, you've got to blow off your angles, create the next week. You got four weeks maybe to get or three weeks to get to the next show. You got to start up a brand new set of angles and circumstances and build it and get it to a point to where people are going to spend $54.99 to get that show all again in three weeks. It, it leaves you in a position where you got to have something to put some band aids on different stuff. And for that period of time, that was the band aid to when everybody drew a blank. Well, what do we do this week? Well, okay go to that anonymous general manager and have him decree something goofy because there was not a face to it. Right. And there, not only that, there was never a, I don't think a plan for that to ever become anyone. So there was no grand scheme of things either. There's no better time to say, I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate stevensinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning gifts that say, I love you every single day backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Oh, man. Such a silly time. Let's talk about the show. I should mention the the dark pre-show is Goldust and R-Truth and Kofi Kingston beating Cody Rhodes, Drew McIntyre, and Dolph Ziggler. Think about that group and what they're doing these days. Uh, The match was built around the Rhodes Brothers, of course, with with uh, gold dust sort of big brothering and then pinning Cody. Let's get to the opening match. We got Daniel Bryan retaining the U S title in a three-way submissions count anywhere match against the Miz and John Morrison. They go 13 and a half minutes. Meltzer liked it a little bit. He gave it three and a half stars. You saw it this time for the first time in a long time. What'd you think? I'm going to have to tell you, I thought it stole the show. I thought it was a great match too. I'm a big Daniel Bryan fan and I don't think he's ever had a bad match. I'm sure someone will cite one, but I think he's one of the best of all time. And uh, I'm truly engaged when he wrestles and I thought he was clicking on all cylinders here. And obviously Miz has great heat. John Morrison, nobody's ever knocked in their life. 
I thought they pulled out all the stops. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, it, you know, the, the step helped, you know, they did this big cross body off the, off the trine and there was some very spectacular stuff and they fought all over the building. Once you, when you go up in the stands, you know, if, if you're allowed to, it's dangerous because, you know, there's some, <laughs> there's some tough fans out there. Let me, let me just put it that way. And, uh, there's a lot of things that can happen fighting out in the crowd, but boy, the talking about the excitement level going up when you're fighting out there for extended period of time, that's a, that's a cool setting for the audience. I mean, they can reach out and touch you. So that elevated, you know, the level of intensity of what was going on. Plus those guys are all very skilled, very, very talented. And it was the dawning of the Daniel Bryan age. So it was young and fresh. All, those guys go back and look, they all look so young at that time. And it was young and fresh and it was early during the show. Those guys tore the joint down. Really a remarkable match. One of the better matches I've seen in a while. It's a treat to watch again. If you're only going to watch one match from this show, I think Arn and I agree. This is probably the one, uh, again, Meltzer gave it three and a half stars. My, maybe my favorite thing that I laughed at during the match. There was a great line from Jerry, the King Lawler. He says, if you look up cattle mutilation, you'll see strikers commentary, which was just hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> what do you, uh, what do you think of this concept submissions count anywhere? That's not a, a themed match we've seen before submissions count anywhere. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I think it opened up, you know, you had to pay attention right. because when they, when they went up on the stage or beside the stage or up in the audience, you know, the finish to the match could have went down right there at, in the middle of all the fans. So you had to follow it when, you know, once they go up in the stands, you know, it, sometimes it takes your attention away from it for just a second, but you had to pay attention because, you know, you don't know, you know, when, it, when the finish is coming. So I thought it was actually an interesting concept. Yeah, me too. I liked it. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, let's get to the next match. Our second match of the night will be for the WWE championship. As a reminder at night of the champions, Orton won the championship in a six pack challenge against Chris Jericho, edge, John Cena, Wade Barrett, and Sheamus the following night on raw Sheamus is going to invoke his rematch clause for the championship. The raw GM agrees to the match and allows it to be in, uh, in contested with a, uh, hell in a cell match. So our second match on the program here is a hell in the cell for the world title. Randy Orton's going to get the pin in 22 minutes and 50 seconds. This was a long match that dragged in spots for me, but I thought they told a good story. Randy Orton's another guy. I don't think's ever had a bad match. Three and a quarter stars is what Meltzer gives this one. Uh, what'd you think? Well, I go back to what hell in the cell represents, and I don't think this match warranted it. I don't think that the, the angle between those guys had developed to the point of, okay, we got to fit, we got to settle this thing in a cage. Uh, you're right. I mean, it was a big solid, you know, uh, fight and you know, anybody's ever worked with Seamus, they know it's like being in a bar fight and Randy had by that point had, uh, re, you know, resolved himself to the fact that he was going to be in a bar fight. So 
he gave as good as he got. It was a good, solid fight. They used the stairs as kind of the main focal point for, for a lot of the, the abuse that they were giving each other. You know, it was a good, solid deal. It was too long. Not maybe it was too long because all you have to do is if you wonder if, okay, is this just me? I mean, I'm sitting here. Is it just me being fickle or just my opinion? This thing seems to be dragging. All you got to do is just watch and listen to the audience. If they're quiet for too long, it's going too long. Right. It needed to be maybe a little bit more violent, a little bit shorter, and you'd have had, you know, exactly what you wanted. We should mention this is Orton's seventh world title run here. And this is the 20th hell in a cell match ever. And I, I think this is like version two of the cell. So it's going to be a little taller, some stuff that really sticks out in this one to me, Seamus hits Orton with a bunch of chair shots, but it looks like he's swinging with the wrong side of the chair. If there is such a thing, cause he's nailing him with the hard edges on the bottom of it. Uh, afterwards, when we see Orton celebrating on top of the cell, you see loads of digital cameras, all those flashes going off everywhere, as opposed to the camera phones we see these days. It's uh, a reminder, I guess, of, of how quickly things can change and move. But the 20th hell in the cell starts to feel, I don't know, maybe this is obvious, but a little less special. Jeez, 20. Not special anymore. Yeah. Just say it. 20, you don't have, if you go back and check, let's just say the caption above Hell in the Cell match is, you know, the one you never thought you'd see, nothing can resolve it, but Hell in the Cell, whatever that caption would be. I would suggest during that time period, you haven't had 20 historic angles that warranted a Hell in the Cell match. It's not like it needed to be. Every year, one, even one hell in a cell. Now they got two in one night. Right. Well, it's like anything else, you know, in this business, you see something that that's a new concept. You put it out there. The guys go or girls, either one go above and beyond what is asked of them. And they make that night special. Well, instead of walking away and going, man, let's put that one back back in the closet somewhere down the road, we may take that out again because that was awesome and special. Well, they're already trying to book it, you know, before the, the dawn even dawns. It's like, okay, that was good. When can we have another one? And I tell you, let's do this. Let's have two in one night. Right. It's greed. It's greed. Right. And you end up what you end up doing you know, is, is you run out of things that are special because we just can't wait to get it back on TV other than just let it sit there, let it, uh, whatever you want to, you know, like earn its place in history of being something special. And then, you know, you break it out when there's something that is really special angle wise and you join the two and now you have something to look forward to something that fans will buy. It's uh, pretty remarkable to think that this pay-per-view concept, hell in a cell lost so much steam so quickly, you know, in the scheme of things. Um, I don't know what else there's to say about this. You know, I'm a big fan of both of these guys. I thought they did a fine job. It's a little weird to see the world title on second. 
And as you said, a little weird to see the overuse of the hell in the cell. Uh, next, we're going to get NXT season three divas. They're going to come out for an appearance here. They include several names that we're going to be getting to know over the years. Uh, Naomi, Oksana, Caitlin, AJ Lee. Nexus is going to interrupt and Michael Carver is wearing a face mask 10 years before the rest of us. And then, uh, Alberto Del Rio is out next here. He's driving, uh, driving a, a Rolls Royce Phantom and Ricardo Rodriguez is going to introduce him in Spanish. And Jerry Lawler has a pretty fun show or he says, uh, something like, can I please press one for English, which is fun. Uh, and then Del Rio does his usual heel promo edge comes out, attempts a baby face promo about how he has an issue with stupid things and then names off everything stupid about Del Rio. The crowd is not really reacting to this, but when Jack Swagger comes out, a fight erupts and then Del Rio rolls out and leaves. And then the raw GM sends an email and he announces it's edge versus Jack Swagger. They're going to go 11 minutes and 29 seconds. Meltzer thought the work was better than average, but the crowd's completely dead for it. Two and a half stars. What'd you think of this whole segment with Del Rio and the anonymous GM and edges promo this just feels a step off here to me the one thing that this was just on a personal level i was watching this back with brock my son and when ricardo came out we both popped i forgot all about him he was great you know that hairdo alone was worth the price of admission (laughs) So when the the camera panned to him, I, we popped huge. I do think there was way too much fluff around it. Yeah. I think the promo, but from Eric or not Eric, God Almighty edge felt scripted and forced. And it wasn't something that edge, or maybe, you know, it was just, it didn't feel like edge was comfortable with that promo and it all found, you know, felt to me all jammed up together. Del Rio's response felt a little rushed and it was a bunch of fluff to just get to a match that would have been better served just to have music entrances get to it because swagger can go. Yep. I've, I've said many times before, I'm a fan of swagger. So can edge, let them have a four star match, give that extra time to them because I don't think you accomplished much. If anything, by all the fluff surrounding it. Distracted driving is a serious problem on our roadways, leading to the deaths of thousands of people and injuries in the hundreds of thousands each year. When you take your eyes and your focus off the road, even for a second, it can be deadly, not just for you, but for other drivers, pedestrians, and bicyclists. Sadly, many Americans use their cell phones while driving, whether it's texting, checking emails, scrolling media feeds, or any other form of distraction Drivers are putting themselves and others around them at great risk. It's important to know that 48 states ban texting and driving. Also, 21 states prohibit all drivers from using cell phones while driving. Distracted drivers are not only putting people at risk, they're also breaking the law. Look, it's dangerous to use your cell phone behind the wheel. That's why law enforcement officers write tickets and enforce hands-free and anti-texting and driving laws. When you're driving, Put down your phone and keep your hands on the wheel, your eyes on the road, and your mind on the task of driving. Remember, you drive, you text, you pay. Brought to you by NHTSA. Yeah, and the match itself, 
is a good match. I mean, these guys, they are top level performers here. Uh, Swagger's going to dominate early. So it feels apparent that edge is going to win. Uh, and I guess that became sort of the theme of the night. Whoever takes over first, well, they're going to wind up winning in the end. We get our second cameraman bump of the night. That was a little weird for me for us to only be three matches in and we've got two cameraman bumps. Is that a lack of communication amongst the agents or the guys just using creative freedom on their own? One of them might've been mistaken, may have been an accident because I can't imagine you would have two, right? You know, one again, one is special, cut it off there. It's like hell in the cell matches. You know, don't because, oh, that got over. Well, let's, let's, let's knock him down again. I think one of those had to have been accidental. Let's keep it moving here. We're going to get a backstage segment with David Otunga saying he's going to plan to help Wade Barrett without interfering. And if any member of the Nexus interferes, as a reminder here, Cena wins. And next up, we get the angle with maybe the most interest. It's John Cena and Wade Barrett, the leader of the group of the former NXT rookies now known as the Nexus since their creation. Nexus has assaulted a lot of guys on raw, but they've mainly focused on Cena causing him to lose several championship matches and at night of the champions, Nexus attacked Cena and that allowed Barrett to eliminate him from the six pack challenge. The next day on raw, both Cena and Wade would agree to a match with the stipulation that if Barrett was to win, Cena has to join the Nexus, but if Cena wins, Nexus is going to be forced to be disbanded. And, uh, that's a fun step. Believe it or not, Wade Barrett pins John Cena in 1745. Great match. Tons of interest from the fans. They're hot for everything. Uh, Michael McGillicuddy tries to run into the ring and Jack Doan catches him with a front face lock. Cena acts distracted and uh, Husky Harris appears out of nowhere to knock him out. Three and a half stars. The crowd is legitimately shocked. I think everyone assumed Cena was winning. This was good stuff, man. What did you think? I think the Nexus had a probably another year and a half that you could have been piling the heat on them. Yep. Though that got cut off way too soon. Uh, you had some really, really young and upcoming stars in that group, guys that could perform. They looked good. They were good. I mean, they were exactly what we said they were. They were the future of, of the business. And uh, Cena was the perfect guy to put in the hot seat, you know, for them to use to get heat on. And I think they just, you know, every example that you had where those guys came out and did their thing and got away with it, it worked. This night would have been no exception. It is kind of interesting to look back and see how much steam Nexus had and how over Wade was. And then they started to fiddle with his character a little bit. And I don't know that it ever got back the steam he had with Nexus. Do you think Wade was done? I mean, he's back now with WWE. Do you think he was done a disservice more than anybody else when this thing goes kaput? Well, I mean, you can dissect the members of, of Nexus and you know, what they had to offer. God knows if they had it in them, then, you know, you take a, he Slater, you know, when given the chance, 
you know, he did well with everything that was presented to him. Right. Wade Barrett, too. He's a big, tall, good-looking guy, good worker, very creative, you know, on his promos, everything. There were no holes in Wade anywhere. You know, he was a guy that, that you know, if you would have just continued to, to groom and, and build his character and take your time with him, God knows, you know, the limits the guy could have had. But it's when you start fiddling with it, you know, that, that that whole King of the Ring thing concept to me was just dated and just, it was, it was just, it was a, it was a ha-ha act. And why you needed, felt the need to put that on him, I think it damaged him more than it helped him. Do you think this would have hurt Cena for him to lose clean here? There was eight of them. Something like that, right? Yeah, that's my point. There's a ton, but in the end, is that just the storytelling aspect or do you think it really could have helped Wade had he won without any help? No, I, I think, I think he, he should have won, which he did. he did. Yeah. And the whole benefit, what you always have to do, strengthen numbers, you know, the factions, that were successful throughout history had strength in numbers. And the reason they were so frightening and so scary and so effective is they would utilize those numbers in careful ways to where, Hey, you could beat all of them individually. If you were a superstar babyface. but when they were all together, they were unbeatable. Right. And that was the story you should tell with Nexus. And you could have ran with that for God knows how long. You cannot account for all eight guys at all, at every moment, every waking moment. And there's the one that you didn't see that gets you. It's a pretty simple concept, but man, you can build some heat and some frustration with the audience by using those numbers. Oh man, before we keep going, Aaron, I, uh, I want to make mention of something that I absolutely love about, uh, Tony Schiavone on dynamite. Um, you can see his disdain for MJF, but on our show, my, my show with Tony, he'll refer to MJF as a prick and he calls him a little prick, like a little prick. And it occurred to me, if you wanted to turn a little prick into a big prick, you go to bluechew.com. We're going to get your ding dong real, real hard. Aren't you tired of serving up that soft serve around the house? Here's what mama really wanted for mother's day. She wanted a five-star match. We're talking about PEDs for your junk meat. I'm so excited that bluechew.com continues to sponsor us here on the show. It is the talk of the wrestling business. It has become a revolutionary piece of business in many, many households. And you can be next. Now, what's all, as a friend of yours used to say, what's cause in all this? Well, you know what's going on. We're talking about the world's first chewable with the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. Now here's the best part about this. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians. So you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. And since it's made in the USA and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, it's cheaper than going to the pharmacy, but maybe best of all, there's no more awkwardness. And right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code ARN. 
you just pay five dollars shipping again that's b-l-u-e-c-h-e-w.com the promo code is orange and you get to try it for free blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring our hard-ons no doubt about it and that's the, clearly the goal i mean it feels like they're even trying to set up our series because the group of guys who do run out and run off uh, nexus or big show mark henry gold dust chris masters dolph ziegler mvp morrison the heart dynasty r-truth evan Bourne, kofi kingston so it's a big group of folks but it's certainly seemingly setting up almost uh, factions there's a there's a line in the sand as we march towards survivor series but the story continues next we've got paul bear backstage he's going to be talking to josh matthews uh bear is sweating profusely here and he says he's waited six years to return with a plan and uh, it's fairly obvious to everyone Meltzer included of what is going to happen that night then we see a -a make-a-wish package that includes uh, macho hitman hulk uh, Sean Michaels, triple H Austin, loads of current talent and a reminder that WWE has granted more wishes than any pro sports organization. Listen, there's lots of criticism to go around for WWE, but their commitment to make a wish has really been something else. Has it not? Yeah. And it's something to be proud of, to be a part of. If you've seen those, those kids and the, the look on their face when that superstar that they wanted to to see they're actually in front of it you know it makes a lot of things right in the world when you see something like that and i was proud to be a part of it myself next up we've got natalia defeating michelle mccool by dq in four minutes and 50 seconds that allows mccool to uh, retain her title we should remind you the story here is michelle mccool is the co-champion with layla and this is the, uh, unified Davis championship here. There is a funny little moment during the match where Matt striker refers to Michelle McCool as the best in ring performer of all time. Yes. Michelle McCool Meltzer would say even funnier striker himself after saying it realized even for him, that was stupid and said, except for fabulous Mula and Trish Stratus, of course, they immediately start giving him shit. They being. Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. The match sort of is what it is for me. It gets uh, a star and a half in the observer. Uh, the ref's going to call for a DQ, of course, for what he describes as a horrible finish. He being Dave Meltzer. And then afterwards, Natalia puts Layla in the sharpshooter. That gets a little bit of uh, payback for the fans. What'd you think? Well, you know, Michelle McCool actually had some aptitude for the business. She's a very great athlete, amateur athlete, and uh, we know Natty can go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it would just been a match, I'd been fine. I, you know, the greatest of all time, I, I'd have to disagree with that. I would think uh, Matt Stryker might have been trying to curry a little favor <laughs> with The Undertaker. <laughs> with that preposterous line, I don't know. We'll have to ask Matt that. But, uh, you know. I'm sure the match itself, the nuts and bolts of it, you know, was fine. It's just, uh, probably again, short on time, trying to make a little bit more out of it than you probably should have. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, it does feel short on time, you know, just four minutes and 50 seconds, even for the women in this era, that was still kind of short for a pay-per-view match, but we've got to leave plenty of time for our main event, which is going to go more than 20 minutes. It's next. <laughs> 
the buildup has had Kane attack the undertaker and put him into a vegetative state and steal his powers, which led to Kane dominating the undertaker. When he returned a night of champions, Kane would defeat the undertaker in a no holds barred match. And in an attempt to put away the undertaker for good, Kane challenges him to a hell in a cell match, which we all know is undertaker's match. And the story revolved around it being the match in which Kane made his debut nearly 13 years before at bad blood in your house, a returning Paul bearer reunited with the undertaker on September 24th and then restoring his powers and bearer came back in a casket, which I guess looks pretty eerie these days. Kane gets the win either way though. In this hell in a cell match, they get plenty of time. 21 minutes, 37 seconds. Kane's out first, even though he's the champ. Bearer's going to lead Taker out. Taker wants Bearer out of the cell, but Bearer doesn't want to exit. It gets half a star. You know what's coming. Paul Bearer's going to get in the cage, and Kane starts chasing Paul Bearer, and you can imagine how ridiculous it looks. And uh, Undertaker sits up, choke slams Kane. Undertaker goes for the tombstone, but Bearer turns on him again, shining the urn's light in Undertaker's eyes, and then a bunch of noise like lightning and visual effects are done in the arena. And then bear gives Kane the urn and undertaker looks shocked. Kane hits the taker with the urn and boom choke slam for the pin. I guess it's okay. I don't know. Some of the silliness of the powers and all of this stuff in 2010 feels a little outdated. Maybe just looking back, maybe not at the time you were there. What'd you think? Well, far, far be it for me to ever say anything involving Taker and Kane uh, was not good. It was physical and, you know, in every sense of the, of the, the fight itself, I think Kane got a pretty good chunk of meat knocked off of his head, you know, which was bleeding a little bit, which added to it. Uh, the thing was the whole story with, you know, Taker and, and Kane were brothers said before say again it applies here nobody wants to see brothers fight right i think anytime you can go to any big match with kane and taker as partners brothers of destruction against two other guys doesn't matter who it was that was a much better felt better smelt better matchup than those guys fighting each other and the effects the special effects were just so-so with the lighting. You know, it wasn't this big, huge, you know, light that blinded the guy and which allowed the, you know, the finish to go down or anything. It was, you know, again, the trappings around the two talent weren't, wasn't as impressive, you know, as the match could have been in just a normal setting. I don't, again, I don't think it warranted hell in the sale. It just didn't. We're thankful for our sponsor today, Manscaped, for keeping us fresh. Manscaped offers all the right tools to keep your hair groomed above and below the belt. And unfortunately, we all know somebody who's, uh, well, become Dr. Flair and zipped the wrong type of area. And boom, you were, uh, you had a crimson mask of your own, your bathroom floor, all over your towel or your tile. Don't do that. Don't get color the hard way, brother. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 or the perfect package. 
By the way, Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and even a medium grit nail file. You're probably wearing flip-flops, and people don't need to see those nasty unclipped toes of yours. No one likes an ungroomed set of feet, fingers, or more importantly, balls. That's why they forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 water-resistant cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave or a full ball cleanup. The third generation trimmer features the same great skin safe technology to reduce your manscaping accidents. Inside that perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, which is the favorite at the Silva household. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. You'll also find the Crop Reviver. That's a testy toner designed to give you a little pep in your step. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. And for a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs, which Mr. Dawkins say keep his attorney nuts feeling fresh and smooth. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ARN, that's ARN, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And be sure to use promo code ARN. It's time to Manscaped. Yeah, listen, it's a slow match. It doesn't feel like the fans are all that excited about it. Uh, eventually Kane knocks the referee out to allow Barry in and the lights go out. Bear shines that light. It's the betrayal. I suppose, um, Meltzer would say this. He says it started out with good matches, but the heat was hit and miss really Cena versus Barrett was the only match with good heat undertaker versus Kane was one of the worst pay-per-view main events from the WWE in years. It was really sad watching how limited Undertaker was as age has really caught up with him after his last absence, but it was made worse on the decision to have them go more than 20 minutes. The first match wasn't good because they were out there too long. And this was even worse. The finish saw Kane win again. When Paul bear turns on the undertaker, the show would have been a lot better. Had undertaker Kane been put on second and then ending the show with Cena versus Barrett or even Orton versus Sheamus. At least Orton versus Sheamus would give the happy ending, but Cena versus Barrett is the match with the most heat and interest. And the ending was the key point of the show. A lot of people in the arena even left after the Cena match, not even staying to see Kane and undertaker. It's easy to start an armchair quarterback this now Arn. but if you had it to do over again, would you have put Cena and Barrett on last? Or do you feel like you need to close with a hell in a cell match since it's a hell in a cell pay-per-view and in fact. Maybe Seamus Orton should have closed, or do you think they got it right the first time? You know, it, it's one of those, you don't, I don't know. I will say this, you know, to their defense, seeing Percy waddling like the penguin in Batman trying to get away from Kane in slow motion was worth the price of admission. And that had to be one of the largest suits ever put together by a seamstress in the history of seamstresses. 
Percy was a large man at that point. So that was your entertainment portion for me. Uh, you could second guess everything. If you're going to name a event, if the, if the theme of it is hell in the cell, if you're not even going to put one of those hell in the cell matches in the main event, I think you discredit the fact that you branded it hell in the cell, even though in building shows, you know, the one that might've left you with the right taste in your mouth could have been the Cena match, you know, hearing that for the first time, that's a maybe. Um, I just think that this pay-per-view was thrown together without dictating certainly two hell in the cell matches. And some of the matchups were just, uh, just felt like generic matches, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's hard to argue that, uh, overall the readers of the wrestling observer were split on the show. They gave it 40.5% thumbs up 39.7% thumbs down and 19.8% thumbs in the middle. What say you are thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle on this one. Um, I don't think this one, you know, for a number of reasons and certainly not, I'm not going to put it on the talent cause they still went out there and busted their ass. And I think, you know, the first match that, that, that three way was worth the price of admission. Yep. If I'd, if I'd have bought a ticket to that show, you know, I would have been, you know, a little disappointed, but I wouldn't have been pissed because that match was really very good. I, I, I'm going to give it, you know, the same recommendation that you would, if you only watch one match from that show, watch that one. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of young guys getting after it. Uh, I just, I just don't think that unless you're bleeding and some people are really in distress or if, unless you want to go back up top and somebody fall off the top of that thing, there's no need or reason to have a hell in a cell match because it's not being trapped in a meat grinder like it should be. Hell in a cell should be two guys trapped in a meat grinder, and you know somebody's going to come out on the other side as ground beef. That's that's my opinion. No argument for me. Uh, they thought the best match on the card, just like you and I, was the three-way Brian, Miz, and Morrison, then followed by Barrett Cena. And fans thought the uh, worst match was Kane Undertaker. We should mention the next night, they're doing Raw in Wichita. They're going to open the show with uh, Nexus. And you know the stipulation from the night before, Cena has to join Nexus. I'm sure we'll talk about exactly what that looks like on an upcoming episode. But here's the gist. While pay-per-view buys were down from the prior year for this, uh, October effort ratings are up the next day. They go to a 3.35 or 4.78 million viewers. Meltzer would attribute the spike to Cena joining Nexus. Hard to argue that Cena and Nexus was scrapped too soon. I mean, fans were really, really into it. Were they not? Sure. Those guys are getting heat. The key to this business. The key to putting butts in seats or have some very unlikable, I mean, to the point of you want to see somebody kill this guy or guys or women, and those guys were getting heat. Right. And uh, it works. It worked then. It will work now. Uh, 
and then you start looking for a guy on the other side of the, the fence. Okay, who's going to be the guy that can and will shut these guys up? And that's basically how you build angles and the story of the wrestling industry. Next week, we'll be back at you with another hashtag ask aren't anything. And then in two weeks, we'll be back with bragging rights from 2010, which is the follow-up pay-per-view just three weeks after this one. We'll round out the month of October with another hashtag ask aren't anything. We've got so much fun stuff coming your way. As a reminder, you get all these shows early and ad free. And I'm talking way early for Aaron's case over at adfreeshows.com. If you haven't already, check out all the fun we're having there at adfreeshows.com. And if you've got a question for next week's show, when we give you the keys to the show and say, Hey, what do you want to ask Arn for hashtag ask Arn anything? Ask it on Twitter right now over at the Arn show. Uh, until next time he is at the Arn show. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad and we are out of time. We'll see you next week for hashtag ask Arn anything on Arn. Get your Arn gear at ArnShirts.com and check out BoxaGimmicks.com, the official store of the Arn Show, where you can find gimmicks for the Arn fan in your life. New items added weekly. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate StevenSinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That's no hassle, no risk expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning gifts that say, I love you every single day backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to, I hate fast, free and safe shipping. Steven singer jewelers. That's I hate Steven singer. Com. I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. What made you come to Save With Conrad in the first place? Yeah, so uh, the idea of a 30-year loan became less and less appealing to me, and I really didn't want such a black cloud looming over my head for so long. So, you know, being an avid listener of Conrad's podcast and always hearing about Save With Conrad uh, routinely, you know, I figured, you know, let's Let's give refinancing a go. You know, why not? Can't hurt anything. So really, that's pretty much it. Got put in contact with the team and the rest is history. I actually got $97,000 knocked off of my total schedule payments from the original loan and about five, six years um, saved. Man, I so I see here that Derek helped you out with your refinance. How was it working with Derek and the team? Oh, it was, Derek was, Derek was great. Um, and as with the team, you know, it was, such a fluid, pain-free, quick, and highly efficient process. Was there anything that we could improve in the future? Actually, I, I would. I, I have a hard time imagining any improvement. If you were to have an open mic to all our listeners, what would you tell them um, to encourage them to come to say with Conrad? If you want some kind of pain-free, uh, quick, 
efficient process where you won't be going through the headaches, you know, you won't feel like you're going through the motions, you won't feel like you're stuck spinning your wheels because things aren't moving as you think they should. I would highly suggest reaching out to Save with Conrad and I mean it's I don't I don't foresee anything being better. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you can skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.